Hello and welcome to Running by Dawn. This is your host Dawn Pedersen and I am excited to be with you today. This episode is called Safety 101. We are on episode 43. I've been thinking about and talking about this episode for a while. I've known that I wanted to do an episode on safety but I kind of fill it out. I have a list of episodes I want to do, but I don't have an exact list. It's kind of just where my brain is, where my thoughts are. And I finally landed on this one about safety. Coming out of my first season of coaching cross country, my number one concern for the kids on my team as I advised them to do off-season training was safety. Our school and our district requires us to stay pretty close to the school. And so those kids know those roads. I've seen them run on those roads. And sometimes I'm going to admit they are idiots on those roads. They'll cross without looking for traffic or they'll cross in a big group. And just because the other kids had a clear path and they assume they have a clear path, just some really not careful things. I have an off-season document that I sent them and I send out every season with some modifications here and there as needed with my recommendations and a huge section of that is safety. I also train them on safety at the end of the season every season and just kind of give them the guidelines for okay you're on your own but be careful out there because there are some things you have to worry about when you're out there running on your own that you don't have to worry about when we're in a group. So let's go through my very own safety guidelines that I give my team. I want to start with this one, which is not for my team, but we had an episode a couple weeks ago about treadmill running. And my one safety tip that I have for treadmill running is put the emergency clip on your clothes. There's usually an emergency stop. It's hooked to a clip. You're supposed to put that on your clothes. Reason being, if you have something that distracts you or you trip or something, you don't go flying off the back of the treadmill. You give that a little tug and then the treadmill dead stops right there. Now, this became a little more obvious to me the other day. I will admit, I do not follow this rule. I've never followed this rule. I do not like the clip. I take the risk and I'm overly confident that I'm not going to get hurt. But there is once in a while that I have gone flying off the back. In my treadmill, I've showed it to you on my Facebook page. We gave it a name a couple episodes ago. I invited you to help me name my treadmill. The treadmill's name is now Thor. For a number of reasons. I'm Don Pedersen. Pedersen is a Norwegian name. So Thor was suggested by one of our listeners as the name for the treadmill. And I loved it because it is a Norse god. Pedersen is a Norwegian name. It comes from my family from several generations back. We were in Norway. Thor is the god of thunder, the god of lightning. I've always been a huge, huge fan of thunderstorms, so I love that. And he's also the god of trees and strength, which I thought was really cool. Trees are fine. Strength is great. And then the final thing, the user that suggested Thor for the name said that she liked it because it rhymed with sore. And so now my son has this joke and he says, Mom, I'm a little Thor. 
So there you go. We go running with Thor now in the garage, my treadmill. You can join the Name Your Treadmill Challenge. It's going on on Facebook or any other social media channel that you might use. Just post your picture of your newly named treadmill. Or I found that some people were already naming their treadmills before this challenge. So go ahead and share those pictures too of your treadmill with its name and include the hashtag Don Running or hashtag Running by Don Podcast. And don't forget to include hashtag Name Your Treadmill. So that's my one tip about treadmill running is put that emergency clip on. You also should bring your water and make sure you have good running shoes. These are basic things. Okay, bring your water, make sure you have running shoes, all that. Oh yeah, that'd be horrendous. Don't use a treadmill with like flip-flops or Crocs or something. That might really be bad and tear up your feet. Don't do that. Okay, now onto my guide. The biggest number one thing I would say about running on the road, the rest of these really apply to the road. Not even that much to trails. Maybe some of these apply to trails, but really road running, definitely some trail running application here. But number one, run against traffic. See, that doesn't really apply to trail running. Hopefully there's no traffic on your trails, but actually sometimes there can be. So run against traffic. So if you're here in the United States, you're going to run on the left side of the road. If you are in Japan or England or any of those great countries that I have run in, the drive on the left side, you're going to want to run on the right side of the road. Now my brain is getting all turned around, but I think that's correct. So you're going to run against traffic. Whichever way traffic is flowing, you're going to run the opposite. You're going to stay off to the side on the shoulder. Please don't go in the road unless it's a very, very rural road and there are no cars. Stay on the shoulder. If possible, stay on sidewalks. I don't love running on sidewalks so if there isn't a lot of traffic I will jump down to the road and the shoulder if there is a lot of traffic I will stay on the sidewalk I don't really love the harder surface of the sidewalk I prefer the gravel or the dirt on the shoulder or even asphalt feels better that sidewalk to me so make sure that you are aware if there is no good shoulder no sidewalk on your side and I have a few places I run that are like this. That there really is like no shoulder and there's a blind turn. Like there's a little bend in the road. And if I'm on that side facing traffic, I have to wave my arm to have any sort of confidence that a car might see me. And I'll do that. I'll stick my arm way out and I'll wave in big up and down waves so that cars can see me and you'll see them they're like zooming down the road and then they'll see my hand around the bush or whatever and they'll slow down a little bit so that is not necessarily recommended and I've been doing it less and less the better thing to do is if there's a better shoulder which often there is it's pretty rare that you'll have two really narrow crappy shoulders usually the shoulder on the other side's a little better so find a place that is safe to cross and go with traffic for that section, and then when the shoulder widens on the other side and it's safe to do so, cross back so you're with traffic again, okay? Be super, super aware of cars. I think it's really common to be like, I'm facing traffic, everybody can see me, especially with my younger runners, they just assume that if they see the car, the car sees them. That's absolutely 
not true. There have been several times when I've been going across a little side street or across the driveway and I see a car, so I assume they see me. This was in my earlier days of running and I would go across the street or across the driveway and they, I kid you not, almost hit me. They'd start going and then they would hurry and slam on the brakes because then they saw me. So I don't do that anymore. I either make sure that they saw me and I get a hand wave or a little wave to have me move across the street. Okay, I wait for that. I don't wait just for eye contact because I've had what I thought was eye contact and then they almost ran me over anyway. No good. But I wait till there's eye contact and there's a wave of go across the street or what I do more often, especially on little side streets, not driveways, but a side street, I will actually go around the back of the car. It's a little more dangerous if there's multiple cars because the next car might not see you, but I will go behind the car, especially if there's only one, instead of try to go in front of them. So that's a good tip. If it's a driveway and you're not sure if they see you, just wait until they go or they wave you on. There's no goal that is warranted for you to have an accident or a near accident. This one should be fairly obvious, but it's back to what your mother might have taught you when you were little. Please look both ways when you cross the street as a car or a bike or as a runner. There's been times I've looked one way. I'm pretty sure I'm good. And then I cross and then lo and behold, there's something the other way. As a driver, I almost hit a runner not too long ago because I only checked one direction for cars. I wasn't looking for pedestrian. And then there was a runner that kind of was there out of nowhere. And for me as a runner, I wasn't annoyed with that runner. I was really bothered that I wasn't on the lookout for runners and that I hadn't seen them. So make sure if you're a car that you're looking out for runners or any pedestrians, bicycles, whatever. And if you're a runner, then always, always make sure you check both sides of the street multiple times and that it's really, truly cleared across, okay? That's a problem that my high schoolers seem to have, checking both sides. It's a really good idea. I want to share with you why this is so important to me. It is important to me just because anything could happen, right? But it's more important to me because things have happened to people I know or that I know indirectly. I think I shared this before, but my parents have some really good friends that are runners. They were out on a run together several years ago, husband and wife, and there was a car that ran this, I don't know if it was a stoplight or a stop sign, but a car that ran the stop sign and ran into the husband and he was killed by that driver. So there's nothing that the runner could have done to prevent that. I'm pretty sure they were following all the rules, but just anything you can do to be more aware and more cautious around cars, they really do win. If it's the runner or the car, the car's going to win. So be really cautious. Don't assume that you have the right of way or that people see you. Just be cautious, okay? And if something does happen, it was probably not preventable, but if there's anything you can do to keep yourself safe, then do it. Take those extra precautions. I also had a friend that I coach with. He's at our neighboring school. I guess we compete together, but he got hit by a car while out on a run not too long ago, and he was injured from it. He was really bruised up, nothing broken. Uh, I don't know if he had any stitches or anything, but he got thrown off the front of a car. So it does happen. It's happened 
you know, to people I know or people that people I know know kind of indirectly. Another thing that you need to do is also be very careful of bikes. If it's a runner or a bike, the bike wins. And I know this from personal experience. While we were living in Japan, I was out on a run. The area of Japan where we lived has some really steep streets, little tiny side streets. And so I was out on a run one morning, and of course my husband was out of town because that's always when things happen. I had a college roommate that had come to visit, and she was at home with my kids. And I was out on a run, and all of a sudden I heard just this screech really, really loud screech of a bike break. And I looked up, and by the time I looked up, it was too late. I was hit. So there was a teenage boy, school boy, that was headed to school Saturday morning. A lot of the schools had either activities or actual school on Saturday in Japan. And he came screeching down, probably from his house, had been on that road so many times, and I was just crossing the street. I looked for cars. There were no cars, and up the street and around the corner, there was this bicycle. And so he came plowing down, brakes full force, and literally hit me. It knocked me to the ground. I did hit my head a little bit. That was a really interesting position for both of us. I did not speak a lot of Japanese. If he spoke English, he didn't let me know it. He just looked absolutely terrified and paralyzed when he saw a that he had hit someone and b that he had hit an American that he couldn't talk to. Bicyclists in Japan are considered the same as cars so if I was hurt or very hurt and filed a report he could have some serious consequences. Fines or I don't know jail time even I'm not sure what all the laws are there. So it was a very 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 big deal. To him and you could see that on his face. He was terrified. Now I'm in my mid-30s, a little more mature, and I sat there for a second, or not sat there. I I did sit there for a second and then I got up and I analyzed the situation and I was like, Am I hurt? Is there anything we need to do here? And I thought, I have a little bit of a headache, but other than that, I think I'm okay. So I did my best Japanese bow. I said, Gomenasai, which means I'm sorry. And I ran away, literally, because I was out on a run. I didn't have to apologize. I didn't do anything wrong. But my other words like, excuse me, or thank you didn't seem appropriate. So I just said, I'm sorry. And I ran away. That taught me a really good lesson to be really aware as a bicyclist, especially in Japan and as a car of pedestrians because people really can get hurt and there were a lot lot of pedestrians in Japan. It also taught me a lot as a runner that not only do I need to watch out for cars, but I need to watch out for bicycles as well. Had he not hit the brakes and he came down that hill not looking where he was going and not being aware that I was there and hit me full force, he could have done a lot, a lot of damage because he hit me with enough force as it was with his brakes on. So just be really careful whether you're a biker or a runner. Those colliding together are not a great combination either. So there's my stories of cars and bikes and please be careful out there no matter what mode of transportation you're choosing. All right, the next few here are more about self-defense. If that makes sense, let's start with self-defense. I'm a pretty paranoid person. I think I've said that. And especially when I go out running and I'm by myself, 
I create the most great stories about all the ways that I might be abducted. It's no good, but it's true. It's part of my reality. And so I do a lot to take care of myself. It doesn't help that you'll read stories every once in a while. of This runner got attacked. This runner got attacked. Female runners being attacked by random strangers when they're out on a run. Like those stories are out there. Those stories happen and those stories terrify me. And I'm always planning worst case scenario. I do the same thing. In other scenarios as well, like when my husband, this is going to just show you the excitement in my brain sometimes, when my husband is running late from work but hasn't told me that he's coming late, I will imagine that he is hit by a car. He bikes into work every day. He is hit by a car. He has died. And I will make a whole plan of what my life might look like post his death. It's somewhat ridiculous. It's very ridiculous. But I do that. I have a tendency to do that. It's not like I'm freaking out. It's just like, huh, what would I do? What would that look like? I'm like trying to mentally process. I'm sure it's like a self-protection thing. Just trying to plan for the worst or whatever. Anyway, so I do the same thing with my running. I try to plan for the worst, hope for the best, plan for the worst. And so I have some things that I put into place to help me to stay safe. The number one best way to stay safe while out on a run is to not be by yourself. If you are with other people, whether that be one person or a lot of people, the chances of someone attacking you go significantly down. So finding a running buddy or a small group of people to run with, hopefully people you know, or if it's a meet up, then there's multiple people. You're not just one-on-one with someone that you don't know. That could also be a bad situation. You're running with a friend or with a group, and that is a much safer scenario than running by yourself. If you live in a super safe place, you might not have to worry about this. When I lived in Japan, I stopped following a lot of my rules because the safety levels were way up there. I have something in Japan that I called my granny test. The population in Japan is quite old and their older population is very active. I think in America, our older population tends to be homebound a lot more, but the community in Japan, there's more pedestrians and so, and there's stores closer. And so there's a lot of people that are out of all different ages, but very much including the older population. They are just out more. And so when I go out for a run, I would see if it passed the granny test. And there was one time that it was very dark and I could hear people talking on the street corner and I was a little nervous because I didn't like the idea of passing a group of people and then I saw that it was a group of old ladies that were chatting it up at 5 a.m and I was like okay we're good it passed the granny test if it's safe enough for an older woman to be out there and to feel safe I figure it's probably safe enough for me when I moved back from Japan There were very few old people out, especially at five in the morning, and I all of a sudden started taking my precautions again. It did not pass the granny test at all, which is sad. I do occasionally see some grannies out, but not usually at 5 a.m., usually later in the day. So I don't take as many precautions later in the day. If the grannies feel like it's safe, I'm probably safe too. Another thing, this one goes for safety with 
self-defense, also if there was an accident that you were in or you got lost and you couldn't get a hold of anyone, is to let someone know your route. I think I've talked about this before. I have an episode about getting lost. This I mentioned in this episode as well. So if you let someone know your route beforehand, I do not always let someone know my route. If I'm going on a shorter route that I know I'm still going to be within a couple miles of home and that distance would be very walkable, I don't bother. If I am going on a long run, I will take my phone with me. If I'm going somewhere I don't usually go, I will let my husband know my route. If my husband is not in town, I will let somebody else know, hey, I'm going on my long run. I'm going to be back at this time. Here's kind of my approximate route and what time I think I'll be back. And then I text them when I come back and say, hey, home safe. And I let them know, okay? I think it's really important, especially if you're going somewhere new or if you're not feeling absolutely safe, that you let somebody know. Because then if for some reason you don't show up, they know where to go look for you. That is a good one. Also, you know, pre-planning your routes so that you know where you're going is also good for not getting lost and things like that. I have a whole episode called Hi, I'm Lost, about all of the joys of getting lost and some ways to prevent it that I've learned through hard experience. That brings us to our next one, carry a phone. If at all possible, carry a phone with you. If an emergency does happen, let's say you have a fall or worse, or you do get lost, I think I had to call my husband once when my knee was hurting and I was miles from home, just Whatever the case may be, have a phone, have someone you can call, and if you do run into some trouble out there, especially on a longer run where you're going to be out there for a while, then you have someone to talk to. Another reason that I carry a phone, and most of you probably have smartphones these days, I hope, I was really late getting on the smartphone wagon, so I assume most people have them now. If you have Google Maps or Apple Maps or whatever maps and you get lost, then you can find your way back home too. Yay, I love that feature. So carrying a phone is good for multiple reasons and then you can contact someone if you need to. Let's finish off self-defense. We don't live in a perfect world. There are things that happen as we talked about. And so a couple of other things that I do besides find a running buddy. Some people like to run with their dogs. As long as your dog can keep up with you and all that. Finding a dog to run with. I've thought about just borrowing someone's dog to run with me because I don't want a dog. I don't really appreciate dogs, but sometimes it'd be nice to have a dog that could come run with me. So they're big and scary because I'm not always big and scary. Then carrying your phone, all those things. Another thing is have something for self-defense. So I run with pepper spray. I also have a personal alarm that has a loud alarm that sounds. I can just push a button and all this noise happens. There's also whistles or um, different devices with bright lights. When I was looking into this, I was kind of shocked that you can actually buy like something to attach to your shoe so you have like almost like a razor on your shoe you have like these big spikes that you could kick someone with if you needed to I haven't ever felt that scared 
I don't live in that scary of a neighborhood. But if you do and you want to rock out those razor spikes, I think I'd be a little intimidated. I would kick myself with them. But uh, if that's what you need to do, there are a lot of options. If you just go online and find, you know, running self-defense, there are a lot of options. The ones that I like the most are like the bright lights and the loud alarms, because I think that would scare someone away, but it wouldn't actually hurt them. It's really, really important, especially if you are at risk, which a man could be attacked. But it's far more likely for a woman to be attacked. And so I'd say this to men and women who don't feel that they're safe is to vary your routes. There are a lot of runners that will get in the habit of this is the route that I run at 6 a.m. on Monday. And it's the exact same thing every week at 6 a.m. on Monday. Well, there's cars and there's people and there's houses that if they wanted to, they could notice the trend that you always go by their house at 625 on Mondays. To me, that makes me really nervous. I don't want people to start noticing a trend. And so I vary my routes. I go to different parts. I go in and out of my neighborhood in different ways. I go up different streets. I vary my routes. I'm not a predictable runner that you're going to see out there on the same street at the same time on the same day. I'm just not. And I'll even vary what time I leave, sometimes by a few minutes, sometimes by a few hours. I'm really unpredictable as a runner of when I'm going to go running. Now, there were a few years that I usually left around the same time, and there was a street that I ran around the same time to get to my running buddy that was a mile away. And I felt confident in that because I knew that my running buddy was counting on me. She would know and say something to my husband if I never showed up, right? Or at least try to get hold of me or something. But if you're not running with someone else, vary your routes. The other thing is stay in more populated areas. There might be some trails that are really, really awesome. Run those at time where there's other runners there. Okay, don't run those at night by yourself. Run those at times when there's a lot of other people around. Stay on the trails that are populated. Or if you are out in town, I'll stay in areas where there is a lot of car traffic or there's neighborhoods where I could knock on the door. I don't like going by industrial areas. I don't like going by commercial areas at night when I know that there's no people around I really get nervous when I go to those areas. If it's residential, I know there's cars, I know there's houses, that makes me feel safer. So go where there's cars, go where there's street lamps, go where there's houses, just stay in more populated areas if it's a low traffic time of day. So if it's early in the morning or late at night, you're at the bigger risk, right? If it's the four o'clock in the afternoon, 12 o'clock on your lunch break, you're probably a lot safer at those times. It's if you're going during dark hours or early morning hours that you're at a bigger risk because people do stupid things at night and are more likely to be on drugs and all sorts of things. And so just make sure that you're taking care of yourself. Stay in populated areas, vary your routes, carry your pepper spray, run with a buddy, 
area phone, all those great things. It's also really advisable to learn some self-defense techniques. I've taken a number of self-defense classes. I'm not afraid to smack someone in the face or in the groin or wherever to get away if I needed to. I am more than happy to do that. Let me tell you a couple of stories. I have had some times when I've had more validity in my concern. I had a time in Japan that I was pretty sure that a car was following me. And that was a little strange in Japan. I think maybe they were just curious about an American runner, but I didn't know what their intentions were. And they had been following me for several blocks and in and out. They could have just been lost and looking for a neighborhood, but I just never know. And so I decided to draw attention to myself. I don't always say hi to people when I'm running, especially not in Japan when people are more common then it gets really exhausting to say hi to everyone. But I started saying hi to everyone. So there was a man walking clear across the street, and this is like two wide lanes, and I started saying hi to people way across the street. And people on my side, like I just started making it obvious that someone was going to see me, okay? People were aware of me. And I didn't care if I was being loud in an otherwise quiet community like Japan was. I was going to make sure that I was seen and that I was safe. And so I did that. There was another time, I've had several times that have made me nervous, like right by my house. Not right by, but within a mile of my house, which makes me really annoyed that all of this has happened within a mile or two of my house. But there was one day that I was out on a run and there was a man who crossed the street to be on the same side as me. He was just walking along. And we have a number of people that walk around that don't look like they're in the right frame of mind all the time. Mental health or drug or homeless population tends to be getting bigger in our area. So I didn't know if this was just a man out for a walk. He didn't look like an exerciser. It was early in the morning. Just didn't know what he was up to. So he came on my side of the street and we were coming towards each other and he was still a little ways off and I just didn't feel right about it. So I crossed over to the other side of the street. Lo and behold, he crossed over to my side of the street again. And I was like, what is up with this guy? So I crossed over again because I did not want to cross the street on the same side of the street. It did not feel right to me. And would you believe it? He did it again. So it been three times he was trying to get on the same side of the street as me and I finally yelled at him and I said stop crossing the street stay on your side I yelled that to the man on the side of the road early in the morning I think this was in the summer so it wasn't even dark and I yelled at him I said stop crossing the street I was very firm and very direct to let him know that I was not okay being on the same side of the street as him and he was like oh sorry just uh, trying to avoid the cars and so what he told me is that he didn't like the cars being on the same side as them when they were coming towards him or something like that I don't know if that was true he could have had a hang up about cars he could have been in an accident or hit by a car at one point I don't know but it was too coincidental that he kept on coming to my side that I was not gonna just tolerate that so be loud if you don't feel comfortable with the situation tell the person be loud don't let them intimidate you go ahead and intimidate them he left me alone he didn't try to cross to my side of the street again I made it very obvious that I was not going to put up with his crap and whether or not he had ill intentions I'll never know but I needed to take 
the precautions that I did to maybe stay safe, but at least to feel safe, okay? Two other stories. There was a guy when I was running, this is not too far from my house, that he pulled over right in front of me and big black truck, okay? And he said, hey, do you know where such and such a street is? And I said, no, I don't, sorry. And I kept running and he was like, hey, come back here. I need you to help me. I need you to help me find the street. And I was like, no way. I am not even gonna get close to that truck. I'm not gonna approach that truck. And so I went and I turned up my street and he came past me and then he turned around all in a huff and he went to where I was again. And I was not about to let this guy again intimidate me. I don't know if he was mad because I wouldn't help him and he truly was lost or if he had ill intentions and wanted me to get in his truck. Either way, I didn't want anything to do with it. And so I turned on a side street in a little neighborhood and there was a man there walking his dog. And I said, there is a black truck following me. If it comes down this street, please call 911. I'm going to go on a side street and a back way to my house. And I have a friend that lives on that road and I will call 911 if I need to. But can you please help me out? And he said, oh yeah, sure. I didn't feel like I was in a big enough safety hazard that unless that man came that I needed to call 911. But had I seen him again, I probably would have called 911 and I would have hung out with that guy and his dog. So don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to take a separate route be in a place where you can talk to other people like the man with the dog. I usually want to approach someone just walking their dog, minding their own business, but I needed him to know that I needed help. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to cause a scene. Whatever the case may be, whatever you need to stay safe. I had another truck. It's all about the trucks. I don't know why. I had another big, loud, noisy truck that on the same street, would you believe it? He was kind of winding in and out of the neighborhood just in and out of these side streets. And he kind of looked like he was waiting for me. He had passed me and seen me and then he stopped and he kept on weaving in and out of those neighborhoods. And I was like, what the heck is happening? Maybe he was lost. Maybe he was drunk. I have no idea what was going on, but it didn't feel right. I didn't feel safe. And so I wasn't sure what to do. He was literally in between me and my home. And of course, my husband was out of town that week. It always happens when my husband's out of town. And I wanted to get back and there wasn't anyone around and the side streets were quiet. So I decided that what I was going to do was I was just going to book it as I came past the last street where he was winding in and out, that I was just going to book it. And if he followed me, then I was going to go knock on the closest door there was. So I just ran really fast. And I think I had somehow made it obvious that I knew that he was there, that I was aware of him. I don't remember what I did, but I made some sort of sign or signal or something that I knew he was there and maybe I just crossed the road. I don't know. I don't remember, but I knew I did something to indicate to him that I know that you might be following me. I never knew on any of these. I wasn't going to wait to find out if someone was going to pull me into their truck. No way. And so I just booked it. I went really fast and I knew there were doors I could knock on. It was people that I didn't know and people that I did. And 
So I just booked it all the way home or at least past the truck or the street and he didn't follow me. Ugh, so scary. I do not like this kind of stuff. This is why I bring my pepper spray and I vary my routes and I stay in populated areas because I've had experiences that to me were really scary and possibly dangerous. Again, we'll never know. If you ever did get attacked while out on a run or anything else, please know it is not your fault. Just because we can take precautions doesn't mean we can prevent everything, right? So if something has happened to you, it is not your fault. And please get help. It's okay to ask for help now too if something bad has happened. If you're not yet in a safe place, Please get help so that you can be in a safe place. And if you are in a safe place, please get help so that you can heal from the hard things that have happened in your life, okay? There's my little reach out to you guys that are hurting. You don't have to keep hurting. You can get safe and you can stay safe and you can do things to heal. So I would encourage you to do that. All right, on to some excitement. How about animals? While living in the place that I have and other places that I've run, I have seen raccoons, possums, deer, coyotes. There are also bears and cougars in our area. What animals live in your area? What animals do you need to be aware of of how to interact with them? I know that cougars can literally stalk people, trail runners specifically. Bears are more common on trails. I've seen coyotes on the road, like literally on the road watching me with their low-in-the-dark eyes. I've seen them. They are out there. Coyotes are pretty harmless, so you just kind of hold your breath and run by them is what uh, my experiences have been. Bears and cougars, eh, you might want to find out what to do with those if you did run into them. I haven't run into those ones, thankfully. I see a lot of deer, a lot of raccoons, an occasional possum, and an occasional coyote. My husband's biggest fear has nothing to do with coyotes, bears, or cougars. It has to do with dogs. He's very, very intimidated and worried about dogs when he goes out running. And it's because dogs are flipping relentless. I am not a dog person. I do not hate dogs, but I definitely do not love dogs. I tolerate dogs. And dogs are very nice. And if you have a dog, please don't be offended by this. But they are super intrigued by runners. Dogs like runners. I think they want to run with them. I'm not sure what's going on or they feel threatened by them. Depends on the dog. There are a lot of dogs that I run by and some of them will just ignore me, but most of them will bark all the way down the fence line, which takes a little while sometimes, all the way down the fence line until I'm gone. I'll tell you a really fun story. There was a dog that lives at the top of one of the big hills in my town. And I love that dog. This dog looks just like Lassie. And that dog would bark at me a little bit. But mostly she would come and run beside me until I got to the top of the hill. Gotta love that dog. Seriously. My favorite dog ever. That she would come and help push me up the hill. Which is great. And then I haven't seen her in a while. And I was kind of sad about that. But love that dog. But there's other dogs that just are either annoyed with me or feel threatened or something and they'll just bark, 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 bark. What I found with dogs is that if I decide that I'm their best friend, then they tolerate me better. So if I see a dog and it's barking like crazy at me, 
be like, oh, hi, puppy. How are you? Good morning. I literally do this. Okay. I also say hi to cows when I see a cow. Those are really fun. I don't run by too many cows, but occasionally here and other places that I've run, I run by a cow. And you bet I say hi to those cows. But the dogs I'll be really friendly with and I'll just be like, oh, hi, how are you doing? And their bark changes. The ones that sound more threatening go a little nicer and their tails start to wag and they're like, oh, it's a friend. Great. When I've told dogs, historically, this is what I did. When I've told dogs, go away, go away. They just keep on barking at me like I'm their enemy. So treat your dogs as your friends and it might go better. I don't stop and pet them or anything like that. I just from across the street or wherever I am, I just say, hey, how's it going? We get along just fine. One more story about dogs. Not too long ago, maybe a month ago or so, my husband went out for a run. And like I said, he's pretty paranoid about being attacked by a dog for whatever reason. Who knows why? And he came across a dog that maybe had a leash, at least had a collar, but was kind of just wandering in the street, a bigger dog. And the dog was extremely friendly and came up to him. We don't have a dog, so not something he's really used to. He didn't have dogs growing up. And so this dog just got really, really friendly and started jumping up on him and actually scratched him up quite a bit. Like when he came home and said that a dog had been messing with him, I assume like an aggressive dog. He had scratches all over on his arm, I think some on his chest, and it was just this big dog jumping up. And maybe if he had experience with dogs, he would have known how to interact with that dog in a way that it wouldn't have jumped up on him and scratched him but that's the situation this dog would not leave him alone this dog was all over in the street it kept on going in the street and off the street and my husband was just trying to run along and the dog kept following him and following him and coming back and trying to jump on him so finally my husband got to like a side street and he just kind of tricked the dog went around the corner and just booked it and tried to get away from this dog what a weird, weird story, right? This dog was not aggressive, but just really, really overly friendly. Then my husband comes home with all these scratches. So whether you're out there and there's an aggressive dog or maybe just an overly friendly dog, be careful and maybe look up some tips of what do you do if there's a dog there. I don't know the answer to that. But I think that's the case with whatever animals you might come into contact with on your run. Like it's good to be aware of what do I do in this scenario? What do I do in that scenario? So that you have an idea of how to be safe out on your run with all the lovely critters out there. Okay, so my last one, I think we'll get into a lot more in a future episode, but it's weather. And I've talked about weather in a couple different episodes, talked about weather in my treadmill episode, talked about weather in my running in the rain episode. So check those out. But really the biggest takeaway is that weather is not usually dangerous. The exceptions are extreme heat, extreme cold, lightning, and then really extreme things like natural disaster type of stuff, tornadoes, hurricanes, I don't know if volcanoes constitute as weather. It's not safe enough to be outside doing other activities. It's probably not safe enough to be out running. And so what do you do in those scenarios if you're caught out in some weather? I was caught out in a tornado warning and I just decided that the threat was low enough. I was watching the clouds that I just ran home very quickly. There's been other times that my kids have been out running and caught in 
in a thunderstorm. They did the same thing, kind of checked out the scenario. The lightning wasn't close enough and they ran home. But if the situation goes from bad to worse, you may need to find a place to shelter and hunker down in those situations. I think I'll do a whole episode on heat, but just real briefly, heat can be life-threatening if you don't take care of yourself in the heat. So no matter what the weather is, you need to make sure that you have access to water, you're hydrated, you're drinking often enough. And if you don't have water and you feel yourself overheating, just be really, really cautious and watch yourself for signs of heat exhaustion and signs of heat stroke. We'll talk about those in a future episode and what those are, what those look like. But you can have some pretty scary stuff with um, heat. And I watch my cross-country team and myself um, and any other people that I run with in the heat very closely and so become familiar with those signs. We'll talk about those like I said in another episode on running in the heat. So whatever you do go out there and run safely. We talked about protecting yourself in different weather, protecting yourself from animals, knowing and having defense, self-defense skills and um, tools even. We talked about carrying a phone and making sure that you have access in an emergency or if you're lost or if you have an injury to contact someone, letting people know about your running routes. We talked about running with cars around and with bikes around and how important that safety is. One thing that I forgot to mention about running by cars is one of the reasons that you look towards traffic, you run against traffic, is because if you have cars up coming behind you, you can't see if they are aware of you. But if you have cars coming towards you, then you can see what's going on. So I can see if the car is being really crazy or going too fast. And there have been times that I've literally jumped in the bushes or I've stopped and stepped off the road because there wasn't a wide enough shoulder and the car just wasn't being cautious. So that's one of the reasons that you run facing traffic so that if the car isn't being safe and isn't making good choices around a runner, then you can take action to make sure that you're as safe as possible and get off the road until that car passes and leaves you alone. Another one that I did not talk about was running in the dark. We talked about safety as far as like making sure you stay in more populated areas with light and stuff, but running in the dark can actually be a hazard in itself. So make sure that you have really good reflective gear, either a headlamp or a chest lamp. And my rule of thumb is always that I need those things, even if it's light, if cars still have their headlights on. So if you can see cars okay, they don't have their headlights on. I know some cars are like automatic headlights, but most of the cars don't have their headlights on, you're probably okay to run without reflective gear. However, if it's dawn or dusk and cars still have their lights on, chances are that you are difficult to see and you need to have at least reflective gear, but probably a headlamp too. Running in the dark can be quite intimidating for various reasons, animals, strangers, but if you go out and you don't have a good headlamp, you also introduce tripping hazards. Or if you forget to charge your headlamp, 
then you can end up having a very interesting situation. I have a story all about a time that my headlamp went out on my blog, actually. It's called The Parable of the Foolish Runner. I learned a lot that day. I am religious. I am Christian. And so I learned a lot about how important it was to make sure I had oil in my lamp, but this was a charge in my battery and the importance of light when we're out running and kind of how that relates to the parable of the 10 virgins. Anyway, so check that out. That's a great story that I wrote several years ago for my church's women's group that I was a leader in and I just love the lessons that I learned out on that run. Lots of great things, but please make sure that you have a headlamp or a chest lamp or even a flashlight if you don't have those and some sort of reflective gear. It is so hard to see pedestrians. You may think that cars can see you. They likely cannot. There's a lot of middle schools and high schoolers when I take my kids to school that I don't even know we're there until they're right there. Please stay safe, whether you're walking, running, or biking in the dark. It really is important that cars can see you. All right, well, we're going to wrap up today. Thank you so much for those who have been listening to the podcast. I just wanted to give a shout out to some of our listeners. I don't have names, I don't have addresses, but I do have cities that people are from, and I see a trend in some of these, so I just wanted to give a shout out to some of our regular listeners. We have a listener in St. Louis, Missouri that listens regularly. We have a listener in San Diandro, California that's pretty regular, and then this is my favorite. I don't know why. I don't even know if I know this person or not. I have a couple of people that I know in Germany, but I'm not sure this is one of them. Frankfurt Amen Hesse slaughtered that. Anyway, shout out to our listener in Germany, Missouri, and California today. Keep listening. I will talk to you next week.